for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the LA Rams for the Athletic, about the Rams' status in the NFC West. The defending Super Bowl champions look as poised as anybody in recent years to repeat as Super Bowl champs this year, but they've got a tough battle to go through the San Francisco 49ers, the electric offense of the Arizona Cardinals, the return of Aaron Donald, and a couple of losses, no Odell Beckham Jr. and no Von Miller. However, Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner have joined the fray. Also, a little bit on Matt Stafford's injured arm that Sean McVay elaborated on on Thursday. We can talk all about that with Jordan Rodrigue, who joins me next. Today is Monday, August 8th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Jordan Rodrigue, and she's uh, she's your marker. She's the way you know football season is about to start here on the update. We jump through the NFC West every season. We also talk to her all season long about LA Rams football as it pertains to the 49ers. Jordan, it's great to have you back. This is year three we've been doing this. How cool is that? I know. I'm stoked. Every time I hear your voice, I really legitimately feel like, oh, man, it's about to get going again. Football is back, baby. So I'm so stoked to be on with you again. Well, and what's super cool is for 49er fans, I mean, uh, like we, we go through this all the time, like Bay Area fans, who do you hate more, the uh, the Dodgers or the Cowboys? And now it's it sort of moved into, is it the uh, the LA Dodgers or is it the Seattle Seahawks? Because the 49ers and the Seahawks rivalry for many years. But part of the reason it was such a big rivalry was they'd meet two times in the regular season and then they'd meet in the postseason. And I've been telling everybody in the Bay Area, time to change that sort of scope on who the biggest rival is as it pertains to the Niners, because it's the LA Rams. The Rams are going to be the team to beat in the NFC. West. They met twice last year and the 49ers beat them and then they go to the NFC Championship and they lose to them. Uh, this has been a hot topic. I saw Aaron Donald with some comments earlier this week about how he hates the 49ers. He's got no love for them. For me, and, and I think for a lot of fans, this is the biggest rivalry in the NFC West. Where do you come down on that? Structurally at this moment, obviously, record-wise, the 49ers still kind of own that record. So mm-hmm. um, I think, <laughs> I think like I always look at it sort of logically because I really respect some of the things that they've been able to do as a, as a franchise. But like for me, it's interesting, right? Because th- there's that extra sting now, like sure, the record is lopsided overall, but now there's that extra, extra sting because, you know, they did have to go through the 49ers in order to advance to and then win the Super Bowl. And the 49ers had really put together some momentum late and like we're looking like a really, really strong team. And so I think, you know, coming down to a couple of plays here or there, you know, there's that sting and that ache, I think, that really, really characterizes what maybe the desired closeness of these games will be, I think, for fans on either side moving forward in terms of there's been some real lopsided sort of almost blowouts, (laughs) I think you could say. Um, especially last year and the year before that when the 49ers and the Rams would meet and Kyle and Sean going against each other and Sean finally besting his old mentor and all of this, it was so poetic. And it was like, that's what a good rivalry is. I think if we take a step back and you want games like that, you want that ache and that sting. And I think that's what fans can probably look forward to here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year. Uh, obviously, a new quarterback for the 49ers and Trey Lance. And you kind of saw the Rams do that last year in having their own version of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with Jared Goff. They went to a Super Bowl, much like the Niners did. And then they moved off of him uh, and got Matt Stafford. And then immediately they go and they win a Super Bowl. So let's start right there. Uh, you know, as the Rams are constructed, they look as good, uh, if not better than any of the previous 
Super Bowl champions that we've seen with the ability to go out and repeat. Obviously, there are some changes. There are to teams each and every year. But where do you think the Rams stand right now as far as the powers that be in the NFL? Uh, They look to me, obviously, in the NFC West as the team to beat. But in terms of building on what they did last year or improving from where they were last year, where do you think they are week one now relative to where they were entering 2021? So it's interesting. It's a great question. I thought about this a lot. I think structurally, they are actually a better team right now than they were as it stood through most of 2021 and then how they finished the season. And a huge part of that, not just as the continuity of this new offense that they unrolled last year and a second year for a couple of these guys, including the quarterback, but also because they added Allen Robinson. This dude is really special. I had the extreme privilege of watching him every single day since May. And I got to tell you, like, this dude is for real, and it's pretty special to watch. And then adding Bobby Wagner on the other side. Yes, I'm still obviously have questions about their pass rush, Sands Von Miller, but adding a guy like Bobby Wagner, who not only understands what it takes to put it all together and, and win a championship, but also understands, you know, how to keep people together and how to be a tactician against the opposing quarterbacks and it kind of has that empowerment and he's going to be in their green dot. So I think adding those two guys, I actually think that this team is built better than when they finished the season last year. I think a lot of things, you know, they capitalized and they were agile at the right times last year and the way that they put their game plans together and the way that they make big plays when big plays were required last year. I think that that was a huge reason why they won And they know that it's not going to always fall that way. It's not going to always be like that. You won't be able to maybe meet the moment every single time. And so putting together some of these other pieces that they've done, including adding Alan and and Bobby, that's really interesting to me. I think when you hear people chanting, run it back, run it back, you kind of think that people are going to kind of go the route that Tampa Bay did, which was quite literally bring everybody back. But immediately upon losing out on the Von Miller sweepstakes, which was a shock to this group and kind of came at the 11th hour, pivoting agilely, kind of channeling what they do best and and pivoting agilely into pursuing Allen, pursuing Bobby with everything they had. You know, it's to me the mark of a team that understands you can't just keep everything the same to repeat a championship in the National Football League. You have to keep evolving. You have to keep changing. Well, and what's great about Allen Robinson, and, and the same can be said about Bobby Wagner, but let's start with him. It, it, you know, he's coming in sort of replacing Odell Beckham Jr. towards ACL yet again in the Super Bowl last year, early in the Super Bowl. And, and by the way, nothing says uh, that the Rams couldn't go out and bring him back sometime maybe around week two and not have to guarantee him the entire year's salary. But what is Allen Robinson going to bring to this offense that, that's a little bit different than Odell Beckham Jr. did last year? Obviously, they lost Robert Woods also to the injury, and Beckham then stepped up. But Allen Robinson, a veteran guy, spent time with the Bears, many years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, what's he bringing to this offense in an element that maybe they did not have last year? I actually think you're going to see him utilize a lot of similar concepts to how you saw like right at the end of the year, Odell being used. I think you will see that red zone threat. And you did see that with Odell. And I think you're going to see a lot of versatility. And that was something they were sort of expanding with Odell as time passes, as he kind of got used to the offense and learned the offense essentially mid sprint as they were in. So Allen Robinson, what I think a lot of people don't understand or don't maybe expect at this current juncture because games haven't started is like he's going to line up everywhere and him and Cooper Cup are going to sort of orbit around the quarterback in the various receiving positions and 
it's pretty much game on at that point because you can do all kinds of different things um, with them to complement each other. We know Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan love the setup routes. We know that they love the high-low concepts. We know that they love to, to make things really intricate, intricate and have one thing set up another that sets up another that springs a guy loose. And this is really what you're going to see with these guys. At the same time, I got to tell you, dude, like <laughs> some of the ways that Allen Robinson will go up and get the football – the Rams have not had this. And Odell Beckham, I think, is a supreme talent and could absolutely do that. But in terms of in their offense from day one of install, the Rams have not had this guy on their roster. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they unroll him, particularly in that red zone moment. They were really not good in the red zone last year until Odell started putting it together. And this, I think, changes things for them. Yeah, 49er fans sitting back going, oh, great. That's what the Rams need. More weapons to come out and try to win the <laughs> NFC West. Uh, you know, another element that was not there last year, and he'll be returning this year, Cam Akers. What are you expecting from him? Because he was sort of trending towards coming back at the end of last year, was sending out tweets going, hey, uh, you know, don't rule me out for the entirety of this season. He was putting stuff out with, you know, the eyeball emojis when people were saying he was done for the year. What element is Cam Akers going to bring to this backfield that we didn't see last season? Yeah, I think they want to see if he can really emerge, especially down the stretch as a lead back. But I wouldn't be surprised if him and Daryl Henderson, as long as Daryl's healthy, are getting a, a pretty even rotation of that rep share. Sean has always sort of leaned heavily on a single back in, you know, before they kind of blew everything up in terms of their run game. And now they're sort of maneuvering. How can we get best get, you know, a good and I don't even want to say committee approach, but a good strategy using two guys who can be really, really explosive. Now, I think ultimately, yes, I do think Cam Akers will be their lead back and will emerge as that guy who can be on the field for all three downs. But I wouldn't rule out the way that, that you're going to see Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers both in the passing game. And I certainly would expand the uh, sort of concept of what they will be asking their running backs to do collectively, strategy-wise, just based on some of the things that I've seen in camp. They're trying new things. And that was a big emphasis for Sean McVay was overhauling what he thought was a really not a great run game that they had all through last year. And some of it, you know, it, you can't help. A lot of it was injury related, but I think a healthy Cam Akers can be a really scary thing. And I talked to him a lot. This dude is fired up. He's pissed off that he's missed the time he's missed. He's pissed off with how he played in the Super Bowl. I'm like, dude, you want a Super Bowl? Like, cut yourself. <laughs> After returning, same season from an Achilles, like, cut yourself some slack. But um, he's real fired up, and I think that's going to be exciting to watch. And speaking of the offense, it sort of starts and ends with uh, with Matt Stafford, who came over last year, wins a Super Bowl, trending towards the Hall of Fame. Uh, we got some interesting news late last week about his uh, arm exhaustion or arm soreness. What can you tell us uh, about what Sean McVay had to say about his arm? Because uh, he did say it was a little bit abnormal for a quarterback to have this type of, of pain or soreness uh, in his shoulder and his elbow. What is it exactly that, that Matt Stafford is dealing with? Or what can you tell us about what you know about it as of now? It's not fatigue, um, but it is a sort of abnormal situation, the context of which, so he, he is having some pain in his arm. It's an elbow issue. Um, Sean McVay declined to say that it was tendonitis. He said instead that this was something that usually baseball pitchers deal with. So, you know, it's a process of elimination. If you're a beat reporter right now, <laughs> trying to, trying to narrow it down to what this thing could actually be, but it really is. I think contextually when you see, Oh, it's, he's dealing with abnormal pain. The pain level itself is not abnormal. Matthew has been dealing with pain in the elbow that the Rams basically inherited this um, as he 
came over and, and he dealt with it at times last year. I think you could probably pull out the games where you saw it bothering him a little bit more so than other games. And it's something that they tried to go with non-surgical treatments on through the spring. Now, you know, they are of the understanding that you can't help it. He's going to be in pain with this thing. I think long-term you're looking at different types of fixes, depending on what it is. Cause I don't even really know specifically what it is yet. So I'm sure they're exploring that, but if they're going to decide, especially in a truncated season, they have to go a non-surgical route, then, okay, how are they going to manage it? So basically they're not trying to put him in extraordinary amounts of pain until he absolutely has to be. And I would also say the context of this is, I do know that the pain he felt last year and played through and did not miss the practice and was never on the injury report for, like, I know that that was more substantial than by far than what he's dealing with now in camp. But for me, this speaks of the Rams trying to control everything they can before they know the situation is then out of their control through the the course of the regular season. Sort of an, an association thing here. I just want to pull back and it's a little bit random, but in terms of what the 49er fans have been watching with Trey Lance in his first training camp as the number one guy, they've been talking a lot about this Niner defense, bringing in Charvarius Ward and uh, the defensive line looks fantastic. Nick Bosa, uh, maybe right behind Aaron Donald uh, and TJ Watt is the, the best defensive lineman in all of football. When we're watching Trey Lance now, I think people are having a tough time distinguishing between when he's making a mistake in practice or in camp versus how great this defense is. And playing against an elite defense like that obviously makes you all that much better. I'm wondering about like when Stafford came over last year and even into camp this year, the Rams have an elite defense in the exact same way. They've got great DBs, Jalen Ramsey there. You've got the best D lineman football in Aaron Donald. Is it tough to tell? Does he come out? Does he dominate those defenses? Does he struggle against them? And then does he get into games and look a little bit better? I'm just wondering sort of from a scope standpoint, can you tell the difference between when a guy is making a mistake in camp versus when the defense is absolutely on top of things and sort of dominating what the offense can do? Yeah, I think that's such a good point because it's supposed to be competitive, but competition ebbs and flows, right? So I actually will stick up for Trey Lance. I haven't seen him throw, obviously, yet live in a camp setting, but I will say contextually overall, a quarterback is supposed to be trying stuff right now, and the defense is supposed to be stressing him out. Now, in the Rams case, sometimes they literally have to pull Aaron Donald off the field because he's blowing up too many plays. So <laughs> I think I, and I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, that's not a joke. Like, it's I mean, it's hilarious, but it's not a, like it sounds like ridiculous, but it's actually real. It happens all the time. They, they give him rest days. So he, the offensive lineman can actually get a good day of work in. Same with quarterbacks, and, and he's supposed to be trying stuff right now. Like, this is a guy who didn't get a lot of reps with receivers. You saw this all spring. Last year, there was so much made about, like, some interceptions that Matthew Stafford was throwing in camp. And then this year, you know, there's been a lot made of the arm because he is throwing in certain periods, and he was throwing at the beginning of camp at team drills, All as Sean McVay says, all part of the plan. And so I think you you got to give the quarterback a little bit of slack here in terms of this camp setting, because he's supposed to be experimenting with ball placement right now. And he's supposed to be putting himself in stressful situations and feeling out what that feels like, because he can't simulate that in a live scenario. This is the closest he gets to it. So I think like when, for me, I, I and Sean McVay had a really good answer on this earlier when I asked him about it, because you could really tell, and I think it's maybe easier to tell with a veteran quarterback because it's very clear and like a rookie I would or a young quarterback is still doing this, but it's maybe easier to tell with Matthew at this point, me watching him so much 
is you could tell him that he was feeling out the placement that he needed to put the ball for Allen Robinson. You could tell he was experimenting with different leverages, different looks that he was getting from the DBs. At the same time, the Rams empowered their group, their defensive backs to make plays on the ball when they can. So that actually long-term makes it more realistic of a setting. And so I think when you hear about quarterbacks struggling this early and, and, you know, I don't know, I've, I've heard the Trey Lance put together some good days as well it's all part of it. Like he, if he weren't, if it were all just so easy for him, that's not simulating a real situation. And so I would hope that he's being stressed a little bit. And I would hope that he's getting a chance. If I'm a fan, if I'm speaking from the perspective of the 49ers coaches and fans, I would hope that he's actually having some of those live situations and he's trying things and he's experimenting with placement for his receivers. And that's a dang good defense. So, so that's to me, that seems like a productive camp is if you're stressing out the quarterback and the quarterback's able to make some plays here and there. That's what the Rams do. And you've seen their defense, how successful it's been year over year. They let these guys go. And it's, you know, it's, it's obviously not tackled to the ground or anything like that, but they let them make plays on the ball. And I think it makes everyone better. Boy, great scope on that. Uh, great insight into, into what it is you see from the Rams as it pertains to the 49ers. Okay, we'll end it with, uh, with a little bit on Aaron Donald. You know, last year they win the Super Bowl and there was a bunch of rumors and conversation about whether or not he was going to retire. Like when I was a kid, you know, you got teams or, or players on other teams and you go, man, I hate that guy. I hate, I hate seeing that guy dominate my team. I'm such a big football fan and maybe it's getting a little bit older now that you just start to appreciate when you've got talents like this out there in any given sport. You try to appreciate what it is they bring to the game and how much longer you have to watch them at this elite level. What are we expecting from Aaron Donald this year? I'm not expecting a step back. I know, obviously, he was a dominant player last year, multiple defensive player of the year awards. He is the best defender in all of the NFL, and and it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. What have you seen from him, and and what are you anticipating for 2022? I mean, it's really stressful watching him practice. (laughs) Like, because <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, it's just not real. Like, it's really, it's like, I would cry there. He's doing things to people like they, I'm serious. They have to pull him sometimes in terms of like the way that he blows up run plays when they want to get a good rep in, in terms of their installing their run. Like, yeah, they want to stay competitive, but you can tell when he gets pulled because they have to do something over again. It's really interesting to me. Um, to me, he has not lost a step. I think he's maybe motivated by the fact that he's exploring new territory at this point. He's achieved everything that he ever wanted to achieve in his career. And now he's kind of throwing all of that energy into figuring out maybe what's possible for him, what's next for him in terms of that football scope. And so for me, you know, I don't see any slowing down from him. The dude is a monster and a machine. And frankly, you never get used to it. I've, I've watched it every single day for the last now two and a half years and you do not get used to it. It never feels not surreal to see a person who moves like that and can do the types of things that he does. And I think that, you know, as long as he's in the league, which you kind of see from the framing, kind of what his timeline is in that contract that he just did, as long as he's in the league, I think he's capable of really special things. Yeah, you're right. Guys that big, uh, uh, you, you shouldn't be tossing around players in the NFL that are uh, that are the size that they are. And Aaron Donald does it with ease. Jordan, love catching up with you. We're about to, uh, just under two months exactly from the next time we'll talk before Monday Night Football, the Rams and the 49ers uh, out at, uh, at Levi Stadium. Should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for this season for the Rams and the Niner battles. Have a great rest of training camp preseason, and, uh, and we'll talk to you before Monday Night Football in October. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. It is football season when I hear your voice again, and I hope you're doing great up there and see you soon. 
Great stuff from Jordan Rodriguez. Should let you know that Matt Stafford on Saturday did meet with the media, as did Sean McVay. They talked a little bit more in depth about his uh, his arm injury. And uh, John Wolford said he actually expected entering training camp. This was all part of the plan. He was going to be taking all of the reps with that first team. Matt Stafford not expected to practice or to play in the time that they are uh, in training camp with the Rams. He'll continue his individual workouts. But they're talking about a September 8th sort of debut, which would be right at the start of the season for Matt Stafford. So we'll keep you apprised of any information that comes out about that because that affects the 49ers. Nomad Stafford makes that Rams offense look completely different. Thank you to Jordan Rodriguez. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the updates and review of what the NFC West is going to look like this week. We'll get you a little bit on the Arizona Cardinals next Monday. We will get back into some Giants baseball this week. Also, of course, some stuff to talk about if and when Draymond Green, who is now eligible for his four-year max extension, information comes about. When that does come out, we will uh, we'll continue to talk about that as well. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.